I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. That's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry for <laughs> that. Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now here are your hosts. Monsters Podcast. I am Grizzly Abner and I'm joined by Matt Chan, the professor. And we are here tonight with a, a unique episode. Um, I wouldn't be lying if I didn't say that not all three of us were excited about this episode <laughs> to watch these films, this trilogy, if you will. I felt like there was a fourth movie, but I, I never found it. I, no. <laughs> okay. But it's that, it's that elusive that you can't even find it anywhere. Or it just doesn't exist. No, no, I'm sure there is one. But ladies and gentlemen, we're talking tonight about poltergeist. Uh, A word itself that just means noisy ghost in German. Fun fact here. That's that's no joke. (laughs) In fact, actually, it's said to have originated with my homeboy, Martin Luther, in the 1500s. Uh, because he always felt that he was bothered by a noisy ghost or a noisy demon, and he called it poltergeister. That's no joke. I'm not making that up. So, boom, blew your brain. <laughs> boom goes the dynamite. There you go. So, poltergeist. Um, yeah, the first movie, pretty popular. Two and three. Never, ever had a reason to watch them till this this podcast. Oh, you seen them before. Never had. No. Awesome. So, uh, opening thoughts. Mad Chan. Um, Poltergeist was always one of those movies that, uh, I enjoyed when I was little, and I still found, I still found value in watching at least the first one. Like, the second one had saving moments, we'll get into those. Um, I had never seen the third one until researching the show. So, it was kind of neat to get into new territory with that. Yeah, Professor. I, I think it's, uh, commonly overlooked, just because it's not the whole series. Yeah, just yeah. in general, but it's even the first one. I mean, it's not extremely intense or gory in a lot of ways, and some of the traditional things in horror that people really like, or some of the more popular ones, isn't present. It's a different, you know, kind of beast, but it certainly holds its merit. And I, you know, I think even like we're perfect examples, at least for me, when when uh, like we introduced on this show and we rattled off some of our favorites. This didn't even come within a mile yeah. of my mind, but it I mean it is there. It's yeah, one it's of the good. first modern horror movies I saw as a kid. Mm. Um so yeah, I think I just think it's overlooked a lot of times and there's a lot of interesting things that surround it on on and off the screen. So yeah. Should be a fun episode. Yeah. 
Um, again, like I said, never had any reason to watch the whole trilogy, and I didn't even watch the first film. Um, I did it a girl in college who really liked it, and so she talked me into watching it then. So I didn't see this as a kid, so I didn't get a lot of those scares um, that you would have gotten as a kid with this film. So watched it in college, wasn't that impressed with it back then, but uh, enjoyed it the second time around, at least the first one. So uh, that being said, Poltergeist number one, Mad Chan, tell us about it. Okay, so we're looking at 1982, uh, starring Craig T. Nelson. Coach. Coach, yes. Um, then we have a barrage of other stars. We have Zelda Rubenstein. Rubenstein um, who was always one of my favorites. She always scared me, dude. I'm sorry. She really she did. She was creepy. Um, there was a lady who looked like her that worked at one of the restaurants in our hometown. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one, but Wilson used to work at the Muncie branch of it. Do you guys remember her? No. Did it start with an M, maybe yeah. C? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Maybe last, her grandkids name L. this. I don't want to upset them. Yeah. Um, we also have Zelda. Joe Beth Williams. Oh, oh that just clicked. Yeah, I know. Little Sorry, Miss... go ahead. <laughs> See, I'm not crazy. <laughs> Little Miss Heather O'Rourke. That restaurant was clean. <laughs> Dominique Dunn and Mr. Oliver Robbins. That rounds out our family. Mm -hmm. Right there. Well, I mean, Zelda, Zelda wasn't in the family. But. Right. Pretty primary character. And then one of my favorite actors was thrown in there, Mr. James Karen. Oh, yep. Who has a major role to play in this movie. So, uh, but yeah, it was 1982. Uh, we're looking at director Tobey Hooper. Toby Hooper. <laughs> Maybe. Sor Sorbet. <laughs> Sorbet Hooper. Um, and produced by Mr. Steven Spielberg, who also has a writing credit on this movie. Mm. One of the few films and, which he does have a writing credit. And basically directed it. <laughs> uh, do you guys know about the yeah he basically of told him where he where you're gonna shoot this like this you're gonna do well this like it, this. they even did a, a director's guild investigation over it basically because they kept getting halted on the set of et and that's why spielberg was such a, a presence on the film for he was that he was producing he wanted to direct it couldn't legally under contract while he was doing et et kept getting held up so he'd pop over there and Everybody on the set, and one of the most outspoken ones was uh, Zelda. Yeah. Where she said, absolutely, Toby Hooper did not direct this. He helped, but this was Spielberg's movie. He cast it. Oh. He was making the big decisions. He was on set designing things. So, And both these, E.T. and this shot go uh, at the same time. Same street. Same street. <laughs> and they opened up one week apart from each other. Um Poltergeist opened up, and the very next week, E.T. opened up in 1982. They were both shot in 81. They, they came out in 82. Spielberg was making it rain in 82. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dollar, dollar, bills, y'all. Right on. I think it's pretty clear, though, when you watch it, that that looks like a Spielberg movie, not Toby Hooper. Right. So Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, watching it through this time, some of, like, the ghost stuff and... It, but it just kind of had some of that cartoony Spielberg mm -hmm. feel to it. And I was like, eh, I could see his imprint all over this. Yeah. Some oh, yeah, definitely. On. definitely. Yeah. Just, but, I mean, the long shots. The, I mean, it's just everything about it. Well, it's very cinematic. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it just, it, it's a large-scale feel to it, mm -hmm. which is certainly his forte. Yeah. I feel like something that hangs me up in this movie is the mix of cartoony unbelievable stuff which probably was more believable in 82 yeah but I mean, the stuff that was like cartoony to me now versus some of the stuff that was like legitimately good scares uh 
it was hard for me to reconcile between those two. There were things in this movie that made my adult wife jump watching it again the other night. I'm willing to bet my favorite scene, the chairs. No. No, that one didn't get her? That no. was awesome. Oh, man. That's, that's one such cut. A, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. That's, yeah. But I tell you what. All right, let's go into this. This is 1982. It's a PG movie. Mom smoking weed. <laughs> I mean, just hanging out smoking weed in a PG movie. The guys out back digging the pool are catcalling the 16-year-old girl. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> disco is still going on. Still had a little bit left. I'm just saying, you're talking about the chairs. Your favorite scene in the movie is the chairs. If I would have came home and my wife was like, watch this, watch this. The chairs are going to slide across the room by themselves. I'd have minorly freaked out, but when she sits my daughter down with a helmet on to go sliding across the room, I'd have been like, nope, 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 in the car. And I love how Carol Ann knows sells it. She's like, I'm hungry. Yeah. She's tired of doing this. But no, not the chair sliding. My favorite scene is when the chair stack. The chair, she and I actually looked that up because I wanted to know. That did really you guys look it set. up? How they did it? Did you guys look it up? No, no. no. They had it, the chairs pre put together in a bunching like that. And what had happened was, is it is one real cut. The cast silently runs over, removes all the chairs that are there, places it without it falling off, and gets back out of frame wow. by the time it pans over. Because every time I watch it, I'm like, how in the hell did they do that? Right, because there's no obvious, yeah, there's no jump cut, there's yeah. no slide. Yeah, yeah. So yes. that was pretty awesome. It's a great scene. It's a great scene. So why don't you give us some of your thoughts on this? Um, I don't know. For me, like... I liked it a lot better this time around because, you know, back then, you know, the first time I watched it, I'm looking for a much scarier film. And this doesn't really have that element. Um, but I like the story that it tells. It's pretty good. But for me, I think one of my problems with it is it tries to do too much in one movie. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's set up in a first, second, and third act, sort of. You got the family. Then you have the first investigators come in. Then you have Zelda come in. Right. But then you had like that haywire ending. It was almost like a uh, Lord of the Rings ending. Like it just wouldn't keep ending. Like they had to do this. And then this happened. And then it was like, oh, okay, we're safe now. Nope. Okay, we're safe now. Nope. And um, yeah, so I mean, some of that feel to it. It, was a little, it got a little tiring for me. <laughs> got a little tiring for you? Yeah. Right on. There were just certain things in the movie that I I kind of chuckle at, but I, I really enjoyed. Like the face melting scene. Or the face peeling yeah, scene. Yeah, that's a great scene. It's, it's still a great, a great scene. scene. And even though now, I've seen so many movies, you look and it's so obviously a dummy. Lift. It's the straight on expressionless face, you know, and he's peeling everything off of it. And I Spielberg's know that those are Spielberg's hands. hands. Yep. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, watching that earlier when I was a kid, it was like, oh. Like, I mean, it got to me a lot. Mm -hmm. I really liked that. Um, like I said before, I thought James Karen was amazing in the first movie. And... He didn't do anything except the scene where they're just like, you moved the gravestones, but you didn't move the bodies. And James Cares is looking at him like, oh, uh, well, right. So, you know, I, mean, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was great. Um, I think one of my favorite lines in the movie is when those first investigators come over and he's taking them upstairs and, you know, Craig T. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's dude, been drunk, he's been yeah, drunk yeah. for days. <laughs> and uh, they get up there. And, and he's telling him about the Matchbox car. Yeah, he says, you know, we, we put the car down and it, it I got seven hours of it moving. Now, you wouldn't be able to see it with your naked eye, but on the time-lapse camera, it moves across the floor. <laughs> and Craig T. Nelson just kind of... <laughs> yeah, he no sells him. He's like, seven hours. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unlocks the door and all hell's breaking loose in there. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that the paranormal investigators kept trying to debunk everything. Like when Carol Ann talks out of the TV set, they're just like, it could be coming from a shortwave radio somewhere in the house. Yeah. You know, they're always trying to debunk everything, and I'm just like, what's going on here? Yeah. What about you, Professor? I, I, I think the best thing about this movie, and it's partially because of when I watched it, but also just because of what it is that I love about it, which would also be a reason for why it wouldn't have been the best experience for you going into it for your initial viewing, is I like that it focuses on childlike fear. Um, yes. Things, things like a toy clown, a tree. These are the things that, as you begin growing up, terrify you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a child watching it, it's directly relatable. And for an adult, you can remember back to the things that bothered you, you know, inanimate objects or just random things that just spooked you out as a kid. Right. And to place that and apply it. Now, some people have no imagination and that would never happen. And some people do. But I think either way, you can look at that like the tree when it wraps him up. And, you know, a naysayer may say, this is goofy. Right. But, you know, on the flip side, another person may look at it and go, as genius, you know what I mean? Like, I remember that thing out in the yard that just creeped me out. There's something weird about it. That's what I really like about the movie is that he never tried to change the tone of it, which I I think is pretty impressive that even as things progress and get extremely intense, it's still very cinematic it has all of the feeling of of the scale you know gradually getting bigger and i just feel like you know it's like that childlike wonder to it you know the i mean everything from what's in that closet well that's now a portal trying to suck you in you know to a tree outside the window terrifying you clown etc etc so that's what i really like about it um some of it holds up really well like i i think that the beast when that shows, looks cool. I yeah. think that still looks cool. Yeah. On the flip side, I think the face looks utterly ridiculous when he's peeling it off. Yeah. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can remember back then thinking, oh, my God. Right. And now just going, oh, man. And it was like, little things back then. Do you remember that? I remember the maggots creeped me out mm-hmm. when, he, when he just shines the flashlight down on the yeah. chicken leg. And just stuff like that was yeah. already creepy. But I, I just, I, you know, the, I, and it may have been, like I said, when I saw it, but even something as simple as like testing it with the tennis balls and like this portal that's throwing it through the house and stuff. I just love that. I still do when I watch it. Um, it's not a movie that terrifies me. I, but I think that's why, and where we're different on it with what you talked about, why I like the ending right. is because it, it there for a minute, I feel like it does get legit. Like when, I'm sorry, when she goes down to that pool, that's scary. With those skeletons? Yeah. That was yeah. a great scene. Which, Which were... Yeah. Um, well, no, and I, but then, like, the, the coffins shooting up out of the ground. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that stuff was cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then... Um, Especially just, knowing now that they're all real. Yeah. Like, all the skeletons were real. Learning like, learning the special effects of how they did a lot of this stuff just... It makes it so much more fun to go back and watch it. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's not, it's not a, a fearful movie. It doesn't scare me, but I have a lot of fun with it. And watching this movie really took me back to my childhood because if you look, because it's a Steven Spielberg movie, there's all the Star Wars things there. Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, the kid's got the Darth Vader. Yeah. He's got Luke on the Tauntaun. He's got Han Solo back there. I mean, 
He's got the, I mean, all this stuff. He's got the Star Wars sheets, but then he's got the cool Aliens poster hanging up. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid was just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was neat that they could, they were able to do that. So that kind of takes me back to that place, and I can be nostalgic about that because those were things that I had. Those, you know, I remember being that age. So I've always thought that was cool. And when the mouth of hell opens up at the end, did anybody else think Sarlacc Pit? <laughs> come on dude when it's trying to suck them all in the second time yeah. and it's come on dude you didn't think sarlacc pit nah. the, the tongue even works its way out you didn't oh whatever nah. Nah. whatever <laughs> i'm gonna say that the clown legit scared the shit out of me this good. is mad chance i'm serious the clown legit scared, scared the, the shit out of me the tree's great i think the tree the tree coming great. through yeah okay now when you were watching this movie did the tree and the the portal did that remind anybody else of evil dead a little bit. Seriously, yeah. like, that bit. was so right there, early 80s, plates. I mean, seriously, like, the yeah. tree and the portal both reminded me of Evil Dead. I, and that was one of the cool things about it. I was like, yay! <laughs> All right. Yeah, only move the headstones! <laughs> yeah, this, uh, it's got some great one-liners. Of course, you got Carol Ann with their here. Right, which is still holds up in pop culture today. <laughs> yeah, for That sure. one and Zub- er, Zelda's. Yeah. This house this is... House- is clean exactly right <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah yeah those those hold up great i mean it's got some great pop culture stuff and i do want to point something out real quick this movie right here the first movie going into the later three especially one and two sets the tone that parents were useless in the early 80s <laughs> every time they, they were just like you stay here we're gonna run and try to see what your sister's doing now you stay here where all this carnage just went down we gotta go rescue carol ann and then in the second movie she loses i mean like the parents literally had no they're in there getting high and the kids are getting maimed in, this, in the other room <laughs> nobody cared you know i just kind of put this together why are we facing multi-dimensional things in a movie called poltergeist uh, no i know that doesn't make any sense <laughs> why why are we dealing with multi-dimensional realms and demons and stuff like that when we're talking about a movie called poltergeist right because i don't think it was in the conscience of the um, the american public like it is now right because i mean now it doesn't make any sense right i mean people take paranormal paranormal rescue activity everything people take that very serious now yeah whereas when this movie came out you know you look back then they were three goofy people off in, <laughs> off in their own little office, you know. Like, Paranormal Investigation now is a huge thing, and the right. lady makes a big deal about, you know, like, I, you can't get a degree in Paranormal Investigation. You right. just kind of, you do it, you know. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like, we're a lot more into, and, like, every other channel has a ghost hunting show. I can remember um, being on the Universal tour, or I think it was there, Um this movie would have been about five or six years old, but they did the revolving room. Um, Cause I can remember when I saw Poltergeist, that just fascinating me yes, with her yes. running up the wall and then yeah. getting to see him do it in person with a room and somebody in it and how they could crawl with, with it as it moved. I, I can remember that just fascinating me. And this rotating room was two years before the Nightmare on Elm Street rotating room. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't have much more notes on this one. Um, I've about spoken all of my piece. Well, I, I really like the end scene when they walk into the Holiday Inn. Oh, that's a great scene. And Craig scene. T. Nelson, just, they all walk inside and then he pushes the TV out the door. I was yeah. like, here we go. Dude. That, that was a great that, ending. That was pretty good. That was a good ending. Yeah. I thought it was cool, too. I, I uh, read recently because I was interested in some of the special effects, like I mentioned with the chair, the house 
when it disappears oh, yeah, yeah. was a four-foot scale house that they sucked up in an industrial vacuum and then imposed it onto that on the screen. Nice. Because I always thought, even still, I mean, I think it holds up well when you oh, watch yeah, it. Definitely, yeah. Like, it doesn't look That's hokey. a good effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, other things about the first film. I just always wonder why the hell they had that clown. Nobody liked it. Yeah. It was just there to scare us. I mean, seriously. Uh, like, the boy even goes to try to cover it up with a cover it up, and Carol Ann obviously doesn't like the damn thing. Like, why was the clown there? That, it was just yeah. there to scare me, personally. Right. Joe Dirt's parents sold it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves a clown. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, you know, this first movie, it's good. You know, I'm not going to take anything away from it. It's, as I said, a train wreck in, in theory behind Poltergeist versus transdimensional evil Indian burial grounds keep the list going but like yeah. you know it tries to do a lot but I'm not mad at it it's fun yeah mm-hmm. it's just a fun little movie yeah yeah for sure I'd say a fun little movie it's it's a Spielberg Toby Hooper <laughs> Toby Hooper movie that's a fun little movie yeah starring coach of all people you know coach too bad Dauber didn't show up mm-hmm. uh, too busy plotting his Spongebob career yeah second film or do you want to talk about the curse at all, or should we say that? It's up that? to you guys. Um, um, some just, of the curse is relevant to people in two and three. Two and three. Okay, yeah, we'll save so, it for after everything. Okay. Okay. Second film, Mad Chan. Um. First of all, I want to point out that the second film was not the worst film in the series, in my opinion. I disagree. <laughs> I do too. You really? Yeah. I thought it was the worst. Easily the worst. It was easily the worst, really? Easily. Like, not even close. Yeah. <laughs> not by a long shot. <laughs> I can't believe you guys didn't like Poltergeist 2. The other side. I thought I would, rather watch, I would rather watch Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't... I, it's not that I hate Part 2. I think it's got some merits to it. Yeah, I just I, think it's the weakest out of the three. Right on. Well, Poltergeist 2... We are looking at, oh, I'm trying to find the year here. I lost my year. It's 1986, Poltergeist 2. We've got Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, Heather O'Rourke, Oliver Robbins, Zelda comes back, and now we add Will Sampson and Julian Beck. Where did the older sister go? Did they she died in real life. Well, and I know they, that and they never saying, mention her. Right. Uh, okay, so it was kind of like a... Kind of like she was 16 in the last movie, so yeah, why, you know. She's out on the right. There are theories on the internet that she was pregnant in the first one, and you're supposed to, as the viewer, understand that because early on you see her eating ice cream and a pickle when they're in the kitchen, <laughs> and she knows all about the hotel that they stay in <laughs> when she mentions it. No, there's theories on this that people really believe that she's Who supposed to be pregnant. Who cares about enough to write these theories? And the mom, when they talk about ages, would have been 16 when she had yeah, her. Yeah, I know, I did so like that. So it's like this ongoing thing so i like that because that's how they that's how they present they're like how old's your wife and they're like 31 it's like how old's your daughter 16 yeah <laughs> i really enjoyed that man but yeah I, I i find it kind of weird like you were uh talking about that they don't even mention it like why yeah. wouldn't you just say she's we heard from her she loves college right. yes yeah. anything yeah uh mad chan what year 1986 who directed <laughs> brian gibson Who's Brian Gibson? We lost Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg on this one. But impressive that they kept the, the that Ryan, much of the, yeah, the yeah, cast, cast together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which as I think many helped. of them as they did. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, Brian Gibson, I guess, I don't know. You would know him for the 1993 classic, What's Love Got to Do With It? Um, Does he own Gibson's skating rink here in Muncie? <laughs> probably. <laughs> 
Oh, by the way, fans, we are we are podcasting for the first time from the new podcastle yes. of the Midwest Monsters right here in Muncie, Indiana. Beautiful pothole, Muncie, Indiana. I like that. I like the fact that we took time out of our poltergeist episode. You like you this is where we are. referred to as Little Chicago. That's right. Many years ago, had a small NFL team called the Congerville Flyers. Does anyone want to talk about Will Sampson? Okay, so look, the ghost in the beginning. The, the Will Sasso in the beginning. They no, not Will Sasso. <laughs> I love Will Sasso. Hate Will. S- no, I don't hate him. But no, the, the spirits in the beginning when they're up on the ridge and they're doing the oh the chanting. By the way, that's Spider Rock in uh, uh, Canyon de Chay in New Mexico. I've been there. Go ahead. While you were up there, did you chant and I did not get on the rock and eat no. some eat some ghosts and <laughs> no, that's, spirits. That's where and... Spider Woman lives. I'm not going up on Spider Rock. I'm up <laughs> on my Native American lore. I know better. I've seen Poltergeist one. I'm not messing with Native American stuff. <laughs> Go ahead. I just thought that was silly. <laughs> yeah, it was. Really silly. <laughs> like, I don't understand what the beginning was about. I was yeah. just like, well, okay, so, so I'm sure it was just Will to... Sampson, Native American guy. Yeah, is mm-hmm. he really Native American? He doesn't he's, look that. Native he's American. also from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh yeah, you yeah. remember that now? Yep, now I do. Now I do. Fair just enough. Jack Nicholson's good friend. Yeah, the one that doesn't talk, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. So I got a question. So we've just had this bad experience a few years ago and then little carol ann starts drawing these outrageous drawings <laughs> and everybody's just like oh mom she's just artistic oh come on dude really like i'm telling you right now like that i don't know like the setup was bad like it really was like i didn't know like you, they're living with her mother just told us this wasn't the worst it's movie not though <laughs> like i i thought part three was atrocious oh, oh. <laughs> we'll get there but anyway like i don't know like we lost we lost hooper we lost spielberg craig t nelson i don't know i like the fact i liked it when he lost his shit in the movie i thought that was great when he's standing there and he's going stir crazy and he's talking to her and shaking her and he has that mullet and those dirty teeth did you notice that he lost his mullet and dirty teeth like that quickly in the movie yeah, yeah. it's like what happened I didn't see anything to elude any anything otherwise. Like he goes from this grungy dude to like cleaned up and like that quick, straightened up. Um, one of my favorite lines in this movie, and uh, they're talking about you know their their family being nuts, and he says, "Oh well, we never should have told him the house disappeared into thin air." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was a great kinda, line. It's kind of like that humor in uh, was it Home Alone two? <laughs> they're talking to the cop. <laughs> didn't lose the luggage this time. Oh, and they knock on the desk. <laughs> Like what can you do? Yeah, I would think that when the daughter's doing those drawings, you right. would think this this girl was bait for the other side of right. some type. Um, they stole her. We went through all that. It cost us our home and almost our lives. Maybe we should be worried anytime anything weird happens with the, with this child. You think so? Yeah. Like I know that doesn't work for movies all that well. Right. But if my little girl had been in the TV. I'd be kind of concerned when the drawings came out. Yeah. Uh, what about how the scary old white dude is a straight-up Night of the Hunter ripoff? Julian Beck, yep. Straight-up ripoff of Mitchell's yeah. character. And But you have to admit, he is creepy. No, he is he's, creepy. he's effective. And I think that it would have been better if they explained more clearly that that's supposed to be what we see in Part 1 that is lost on almost everybody. Yep. I totally mean, lost they it. do a horrible job at that. Like, 
the beast that you see in the right. first one, the writers over the years have tried to backtrack and say that that's Cain that you're seeing in the house, and that he's now he's out after Carol Ann, just in different form. He's taken right because they say guy. in part two that he can take many forms and this and that. Right, but they don't. I mean, I think it would be more effective if fans of the first one knew. Oh snap! That's that right. big ass crazy thing is now at my front door. And fans, if you're gonna light. if you're gonna watch part two, the first time we see Kane when Kane's following her through the mall, you can see the lens. <laughs> you can see the you can see the plate. And I thought that was kind. of, I was like, is he behind a glass? Like, what's going on? Like, it's that bad that you can actually see it. So I I kind of chuckled at that a little bit. Um, like I said, worst mother ever. She loses her daughter again. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. every time you turn around, she's just again? like, just like a home alone two reference. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Jesus, hold on to her. Like if you're going out in the public, little kid's been through enough. <laughs> just hold her hand, mom. Just walk her to the next door. Everything's going to be all right. Girl. Um, I really don't have any more notes on this one. My, oh, really? This film, like I said, it's, it's my least favorite in the trilogy. My problem with this movie is is that the plot is almost non-existent. They take a small little nugget of an idea from the first one and just water it down and milk it for a movie and never really worry about engaging the viewer. It's like, yeah, Indian stuff. You know, but we've talked about that on like our sequels episode before. Like, this was a huge strain of the But this, this one felt like it tried. Like, it had the money and the cast put into it. You know what I mean? Like, right. it didn't feel like just a... A piece of shit that they were trying to make money off of. I just don't understand why they didn't. I don't know. I just well, felt like there was a lot. This that is could like going back to there. a Jaws discussion. Remember we talked about you know Jaws and then Jaws Two was just a rehash, and then Three was at the park. But like Four gets all those bad ratings. But it was that they tried. Right. Whereas this, like, it was like they're like, oh, we got more of the same people back, but we're just going to try and yeah, see. The thing Jaws with this two. is, um, as you get into this movie. And I agree. I didn't know. I had no clue that that's Kane was what that was supposed to be. I, I like the messages that they were trying to set up for you, but then they contradict it contradicted itself. Um, Kane's like, why don't you invite me in and let's talk about it? You know, he's trying to get Craig T. Nelson to invite him into the house. It's almost the old miss of like, you know, you have to invite you invite the devil in. You let him in, you know, like and he's just like, no, no, no. And he won't enter the house. He doesn't just come in. Mm -hmm. But then later he does. Later he's just in the house. He's through the tequila worm, which I got to admit was awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on, dude. The tequila monster when Craig T. Nelson throws up the tequila monster. Yeah. That was pretty that BA, was, dude. That was pretty cool. By the time it happened, I didn't care. I was like, oh, God. No, I actually, I was, like, I was like, oh, cool. Something to be excited about. Here's something. It's gone. I, I like the beginning of this film, though. Yeah. Like, you know, the feeling of the comfort of being back with his family, you remember from the, the previous movie. Right. And it, it just starts off interesting and stays there and just doesn't go any further until people just scream a bunch. They go underground and roll the credits. So. <laughs> oh, I got to admit, Kane, what I did say in the first time, my, my first thought was, is this the guy, is this he who walks behind the rose? Yeah. Like he kind of yeah. gave me that kind of pretty good. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a Night of the Hunter ripoff. Like, yeah. Because he would walk around and sing gospel songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, it, it was Mitchum, wasn't it? Night of the Hunter. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So he'd walk around, and, and, yep. and even almost down to like that picket fence scene when you first meet Mitchum. Yeah. yeah. When he's walking down, and like the first time you meet Kane, 
at the house. Yeah, he's, he's walking, walking along. Yeah, he's walking along the fence. And I was fence. like, oh man, I've seen this before. I agree. In a much better movie. The only the only difference <laughs> is is that Mitchum was smooth and good looking and and like his delivery was smooth and this guy was old and he was creepy, dude. Yeah, if he I mean, popped up in the window right now, I would shit on your chair. I thought he was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I would shit on your chair. H A W T. Popped up in the window right now, dude. I'm just gonna say yeah, that's a good point, though. He's very he he, he was very effective, bro. He really yeah. and that was I, that's the reason I think that I really liked the second one. <laughs> uh, I did put the puking out. The worm was freaky. Um. When Craig T. Nelson gets possessed, I really enjoyed that. I think he did an awesome job of playing the dual-sided character, you know, grabbing a hold of her, trying to... I, I don't know if he was trying to... He was trying to have sex with her. He was trying to molest... I don't... I'm not, you're not really sure what his intentions are, but he gets kind of... it Real domestic violence man. And gets, a little, gets a little rapey. He gets, <laughs> a little rapey. he gets a little rapey, dude. And, and I was like, right on, dude. Like, give it to her. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> But not really. Podcast like, is over. I'm out. Over. It's I'm over. done. Chad, no, man, he was possessed. He was possessed, dude. That's what I'm saying. Chad's like, it's all right. You have a, take a cold shower. Chad's like, you have a few beers, you get possessed. It's just what happens. <laughs> Tell him you're he was, he was weak. He was the weakest one in the house, and that's why he got possessed. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair I'll enough. give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> I like how I'm, I'm sitting here really trying to find things to talk about. You're just like, it dumb. I'm dumb. <laughs> when when all the great, when all the spirits came out of the ground and they had the red lights. Hey, uh, dumb. I'm Mad Chan, why don't you tell us about part three and when that came out? <laughs> Fine, guys, whatever. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it, man. I love how we killed this episode from the beginning when I said, yeah, we were real excited about this, so that's a reason to tune in and listen. <laughs> hey, I was. I, I like more guys. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Sell us on three. The idea. Sell us on three. That's, yeah, okay, we'll I'm going to say, sell him on yeah, three. Yeah, we're going to sell him on three. No, no, no. Here's the only thing that sold me on three. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Two words. Well, I'm going to give you the date, 1988. But I'm also going to tell you this. Nancy Allen. There you uh, go. Dude, Tom Skerritt's sexy. <laughs> dude, no, dude. Like, You do not know how many times in watching this movie... I literally flipped out, and the wife was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm mad at Tom Scary. He gets to hug Nancy Allen, because I hugged Nancy Allen twice, and she didn't like the second one. I'd rather hug Tom Scary. <laughs> but we got Tom Scary, Nancy Allen, Heather O'Rourke's back. We get Zelda Rubenstein back. We get a young Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all don't like Laura Flynn Boyle? That's my, that's my actress. He's our director. Uh, our actress is Gary Sherman. Or actress? actress. He did uh, Dead and Buried in 1981. There you go. We got Gary Sherman coming up. Gary Sherman. Yep. They, yeah, they the referred Sherman. to him on the set. They named the, the Sherman Take after. Right. They named the Sherman Take. Why are you steal my joke? That's the... At least I got my Shermanator one out. <laughs> <laughs> We're all tripping over each other trying to get our jokes out. <laughs> That's all we have this episode is jokes. Uh, oh, so why don't you go ahead and why don't you go ahead and sell me on it, guys? Poltergeist three derp derp edition. Um, <laughs> the derp derp. Uh, do you want me to go? Um, Take me, that as a no. Let's let you go ahead. Let me and just throw out my walk one. all over this me. My, this You're is my one. Big, this is my big one. You're telling me this is the best movie ever, and this is your one. No. Oh, it's far from the best. Movie ever. <laughs> uh, what I loved about this movie, and what makes the whole movie for me, is the excellent use of mirrors. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's the first thing so I think good. of when so I think good. of this franchise because I got these two uh, early on in college, part two and three on that on the dual double disc, disc yeah. Right. And just when I think of Polar Guys and all the movies, I think obviously the first one and then the mirrors and how fantastic they did that. So like good. it's pretty much flawless. 
Yeah, throughout the movie. Man, that the, where it starts, you know, with Tom Skerritt, like he walk, he goes to walk away, Walking, yep. and he's still standing there. Man, I was like, oh, oh no, he no, he walked away. Oh man! And then they just kept that train rolling, like <laughs> what, you know. And I, I was sitting here. I really was not looking forward to watching three. I was like, if three is half as good as two, it's going to be turdtastic. Yeah. But it was. I really enjoyed. Three. I liked three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and now it got a little far fetched at the end. Yeah. But <laughs> which Boulder Guys movie doesn't? Typically, if I get these off the shelf, it's one and three. I just skip right over two. Yeah. Two's all right. I mean, it's not a horrible movie. But I this one is a neat, like a fun casual watch by itself. I like that we change the landscape, the setting, uh, you know, in the middle of the big city. It, yeah, we don't have rise. Casey Nelson, right? I like that we have a different family with a plausible reason for why she's there with them instead of something ridiculous. Yeah, right. Um, it, every they kind of fit the puzzle pieces in well together. I like that even with the mirror stuff, they it's not all cheap tricks with it because yep. the one that you're talking about is very effective. But there's not a duel. You know what I mean? Like, right. Whereas some of the stuff, it, it's them like walking down a long hallway. Like when like, they walk down the hallway and they see uh, Kane standing there in yeah. each individual doorway. And, and they don't take cheap routes on a lot of that stuff. And I really think that's neat for and, especially a part three of anything. And they didn't duplicate many of the mirror scares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every Changed mirror scene is, is not everyone, but 90% of them are unique. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they really did they it did different each time. Art exhibit. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, mirror one you mentioned, the long walk with multiple canes popping out of the door. Yeah, yeah. The, the two of them that are evil. Walking down walking the hallway. The yeah, 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 when they disappear. And the one, Actually, I got so wrapped up in that scene, I didn't realize that they had disappeared yeah, right away. That, yeah, that's yeah, why I, I like wrapped up in so that one. Half of the mirror scenes for me, I didn't realize something weird was going on until it was Which almost kind the of end cre- of it. Which kind of creeps you out, especially yeah. for a season horror viewer you know what i mean yeah, it's like right. oh man they just got me they that's kind of creepy again. yeah and i thought the one was really effective uh with the like reverse you're looking into the reflection of heather o'rourke's room outside the building mm-hmm. where you see her climbing up onto the thing onto the ledge oh to talk to kane yeah and, that yeah. was really cool too yeah but yeah i think that it's just a very refreshing setting and switch up for it all um, my only real complaint with the movie is that the structure to it is kind of weird. I feel like they jump into the chaos a little early, which makes it feel like it runs about 20 minutes too long, when in reality it's not an excessively long movie. I just thought that they had a, a good thing going and maybe exited it a pinch too early, but even still it's it doesn't make the movie bad. That was my only complaint is just running around the building, chaos, screaming, you know, it's kind of relentless. And like you said with the first one where I kept thinking, oh, we're done. No, we actually, we got 20 more minutes. Yeah. And and that that would be my only real complaint about the movie. Mm. Yeah. And of course, as always, it. we I always say spoiler because we, we just talk openly on this show. Um, like I said, I didn't see it early on. I, I didn't see the third one until watching for this, for this program right here. So sitting with the wife and watching this movie, I... A lot of the things, like when they get pulled into the puddle, like I, I'm sorry, like I'm not being that guy, but as seeing all the horror movies I've seen since then, I was like, they're going in that puddle. I was like, Carol Ann's going in, they're getting pulled through that puddle, and then without even without blinking an eye, I was like, they're coming out in the pool, just because that's where the people were and that's where mm. Tom Scarrett just was with the cops. Yeah, I was like, they're coming out in the pool, which not everybody did. 
Woo. But I mean, I did it's just I start calling certain things like the mirror stuff. Yeah, the mirror stuff. A lot of that had me. I, I I give you like I didn't see a lot of that coming. But there were some of those things I was just like right on, and I think I just wasn't that vested. You know what I'm saying? Like Zelda just pops up and yeah, I Zelda, don't know. Like Zelda gets the vapors halfway across the country. She's like, oh, oh, that child in trouble. And I'm like, on the plane, you know, just yeah. like hey, and um. Dr. Dr. Seton. Dr. Seton, I was just from the beginning, I was just like, somebody smacked this dude. See, he was he was effective though. Right. Because you hated him so much. It's like somebody break this dude's nose. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a great point because like I hated him. I was just like, he's like, clearly Carol Ann is using mind control on all of you. It was just like she made me believe that the couple's flying at me, then she made you break the mirror. You know what? His, like his, people buying his, argument, his argument was about as logical as Smokey on Friday when he's like, yeah. I got mind control over Debo. <laughs> he told me to shut up. I quit talking. He leave. Mm-hmm. I'd be talking, talking again. That's what he's like. He's like, Carol Ann, she'd be making you believe this, this, this. And I'm like, oh, did she make you believe you got sucked into a TV? Like, yeah. Well, and like, literally, there he sits there and says later on in the movie, he's like, um, when Laura Flynn Boyle, we think she comes back, he was just like, we're all having a bad dream. You know, like, it's like he believes that. He's like, well, I'm going to wake up from this, and I'm good, and whatnot. It, it, mm-hmm. This is all things that she's making me do. Wait, can I just down. say, Yeah, her scream when she's ripping out of that body, do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was, that was yeah. great. Legit. Yeah. Especially for somebody who's not touted as a horror actress. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. like, yeah. she she ripped it. That it sounded great. awesome. Um, I love the scene when the dude comes out of the pool covered in ice. Yeah. I thought that was a great. I'd forgotten about scene. that actually yeah. until I yeah it, looked, it. it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the scene where Zelda dies instantly, which yeah. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I was like, "What?" Yeah, she's like, like, "Man, this is some bullshit." <laughs> this is the third movie she's in. And she just goes, "Whoop!" She gets touched and she's gone. <laughs> that blew my mind. I'm like, "You've got this girl fighting down demons." It's <laughs> like when a bigger dude would push me. When I was younger, I'd just fall down and act like he knocked me out. <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> so she looked like she was like, what, man? She got demoted. She got scared. She's like, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she makes that weird pop-up at the end. She's like, here, take the necklace. Yeah. I was like, that really wasn't necessary. No, it wasn't. Could have just all. let her do her thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, enjoy three. Yeah, really I, was, I uh, would <laughs> say for listeners, if you haven't explored these movies, just randomly... If you're looking for something you might not have had any interest in watching, you might pop it on. Can I it's can fun. I throw one thing out here? Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy, and you guys might think I'm funny for this one. I did enjoy the scene in the parking garage with the cars in the snow because it mm-hmm. reminded me of a Stephen King movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, no, it really did. It kind of took me back to the Shining, Christine type, and I know it's because of Phantom Cars and snow, but I mean, it really did it because that scene was shot. I think. It looked extremely really well. good. Yeah, yeah. Plus the snow-covered cars and just I, they were ducking, dodging out well, of the way. I, and it it just seemed too. like a different dimension. He's uh, he's he's very good at placing those bizarre, ex, you know, expansions and into a story. So right, I mean, I can right. definitely see that. Yeah, that just it just took me to a Stephen just King type place. Right there. Yeah, yeah. I thought that, that was a cool scene. But um, yeah, Dave, I see Tom Skerritt trying not to bite Nancy Ellen in the ass when she was going through the mirror. <laughs> No. Was that just me? That's just you. No, I don't think so. Because you're into that. Story. I just was screaming, don't you hurt her. Don't you hurt her. <laughs> what do you think about the end, though? Zelda walks Kane into the light, and it's over. Yeah. 
You know, by the time we got to this point in the installment, it kind of started to feel like the Phantasm series for me. <laughs> I was really just, just kind of got convoluted <laughs> out of hand. You know, I mean, does that... So by, the, by that time, you were just like ready for her to go. You're yeah. like, take him. Uh, walk like, him in there. Him. And then yeah. Tom's character comes out holding See Carol See if you guys Ann can find the tall over. man on your way. I think, for me, the, the movies didn't have a lot of continuity to them in terms of feeling like they were sequels. Right. To me, they're kind of like... And that's funny because they did such a good job of like keeping the cast together, and then by the third one, having at least a couple more people that had been in all of them. Um, but I, they, by the end of the third one, I didn't really, it didn't have the punctuation mark on it. Like it wasn't big exclamation mark for me. Like it was fine, but I was kind of unaffected by it in terms of the overall scope of the storyline. If that makes sense, it was just it was what it was. Well, now watching the third one. Like when I watched the credits, I knew this had happened. But when you watch the credits and there's an in memory of Heather O'Rourke in the credits, 1988, I I, I was like, oh, man, because I knew it happened. Yeah. But like it was like right after like this is it. We filmed this movie. She didn't even finish the movie. That's right. not her and some right. of the end of it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like we're in this movie and she's gone. Yeah, I think the last scene that just she kind shot of, was in the parking garage. You don't see you don't see her in the uh, when he's carrying her out at the end. Yeah, like when Tom Skerritt has her at the end, you don't even see her face. And then Nancy Allen hugs around her real tight, and then they they kind of do the hug the family thing, and you don't see her. So I mean, I I just kind of I was like, man, because I like I knew it happened, but at the same time, like when you see that, it's right. like, oh wow. So I don't know. I thought that was really sad. Hmm. So you guys want to talk about the the curse? Do it. I uh, man, it's been years since I've read anything about it, so I don't know any details. So uh, really, really leaning on you, gentlemen, to uh, fill this in, Professor. Well, supposedly it stems from the use of real skeletons in the first one. Yeah, that's what a lot of people like to attribute it to. Now, since then, some people have claimed to have proved that those weren't even real in that one; that the real skeletons were used in part two. But that's basically where the origin of it is. Now, I'll just preface it by saying I don't see anything that out of the ordinary other than just that they happen kind of close together. But the circumstances are not out of this world. Um, some, you know, some of them just health reasons. All of them sad, not mm -hmm. to diminish that to any of it, but... Um, do you show me a dive into? Yeah, what yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, basically, there were four deaths with cast members um, from within the trilogy. We just mentioned Heather O'Rourke, who died when she was 12 years old uh, for a surgery. She had something impacted, I think, in her bowels, but she died on the table um, with an emergency surgery. And, and she had been on steroids, which is why her face is puffed up in the third one yeah. versus the second one, which was what? two years in between. Yeah. Um, so there's a substantial difference when you see her in that one. Uh, so that happened during the third one. Uh, the daughter from the first film, Dominique Dunn, was strangled the same year that the first Poltergeist came out uh, by her ex-boyfriend. She had, I think, another actor friend over at her house. Um running lines with her and this guy showed up and she was like, sorry, just wait. They went outside and argued. And the, I think the guy inside claimed that he heard um, like a couple of slaps and a scream or something, but basically 
uh, the ex-boyfriend strangled her to death and then hid in the bushes. And when the guy that was in the house tried to call the police, they told him that's not our jurisdiction. So he just called somebody that he knew. I can't remember who it was. Um, James Karen. Yes, James Karen, <laughs> and told him, "I don't know what happened. I'm. I want you to know I'm running out the back. If something happens to me, it's her ex-boyfriend out in front of the house." So he was kind of like just, you know, wanting to let somebody know what had happened, and also if something happened to him, blah blah blah. So he runs out. The ex-boyfriend's still hiding in the bushes, and he says, call the police. I just killed her. And when the police showed up, he's got his hands up, you know, confesses. He didn't try and run. He did, shot both of them. Yeah. That guy did two and a half years. Oh, That's, my gosh. Are you yeah, serious? Yep. They, the jury um, and judge gave him voluntary manslaughter. And I think the judge's last name was Katz. I can't remember, but, I mean, they were all up in arms in L.A., about it and rightfully so i mean two and a half years is pretty ridiculous when you have a witness that shows that this guy showed up angry clearly intended to harm her whether he meant to kill her only he knows that but yeah he did two and a half years and got out and uh dunn was 22 when that happened the so the two girls from the first one are both buried in uh westwood memorial park in hollywood which is kind of just eerie. Um, into the second one, Will Sampson, who we talked about from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, 53. Um, and he died in 1987 uh, from kidney failure. And I don't know if that was during the filming or after part two. Um, it was after. Was it? Okay. So maybe he was, I don't know. But uh, he passed away there, and then Julian Beck had already been diagnosed with stomach cancer before the filming for part two. So when you're seeing, you know, Kane, he's literally dying through that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, <clears throat> he, he was, uh, if I already said this, sorry, he was 60, but he was diagnosed before that. So you see what I'm saying? Like, those things to me, it's bizarre that they all happen to people within this franchise that quick, but I wouldn't deem that a curse. Like to me more of, and I, again, I'm not trying to diminish the value of each of their lives, but if like one had been struck by lightning or something, then you get into curse. But I mean, you know, two of them were, one was 60 and one was close to that. And it was medical issues. And then one, you know, an abusive shithead snuffed out the life of a 22 year old. So, um, but there were other, other things Along the lines with cast members, um, crew members, they, they said, I'll let you do the crew members because I don't know about that. I know that uh, Zelda said during the filming of it, she had a premonition, which, by the way, she claimed that she did in real life. So when she's playing in that movie, supposedly, she said she could see things before they happened. Um, but she said that she had a vision of her dog dying and then got a call that day on set that her dog had died from, I think, get, maybe hit by a car or something else. And then uh, Joe Beth Williams, the mother from 1 and 2, said that she would go home and her frames would be rearranged on her house. And yeah. The only time she had problems with that was during the filming of that. So that's basically what I know of, of issues from the curse. And if I've gotten some of it wrong, I apologize. I only jotted down notes on what I could remember, and I may be remembering some of it wrong. Right on. Um, for anybody out there, listeners, if you come across a 
version of the Ichu Hollywood story on the Curse it's, of Poltergeist. Yeah. I'll, if you come across one, please let us know. Let us know where we can find it. Send us a copy. We'd prefer if you send us a copy. Did, it, did you look on CG? Yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere. Really? I watched it when it was on TV. If I would have known it wouldn't exist on the internet or anywhere else, I would have wow. taped it. It's fascinating. Huh. The fact that it's not on CG is even more interesting. Yeah. It's everything. Whips. Chains. So there's everything. this neat story uh, surrounding Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson went to see uh, Will Sampson's, visit Will Sampson's grave one day. I remember Do you remember story, hearing this? Yeah. Uh, Craig T. Nelson was going to visit Will Sampson's grave, and uh, he couldn't find it. And he just happened to run into a family member of his at the gas station that he stopped at and gave him directions. Well, he gets out to the cemetery, and he's hearing these loud noises as he's looking for this gravesite. And then all of a sudden, the loud noises stop, and he looks down, and he's at Will Sampson's grave. Like, like it was a beacon hmm. leading him there. And he, he tells that he's told that story a couple different times. It's always been very you interesting. You say a huge group of something flew off. Yeah, something after like he that. Found right? it like it went silent, and then they yeah. flew off. Something weird like that. It would have been more interesting if you said when he found Will Sampson's grave, he found the headstone of the relative he ran into at the gas station. Ooh, that would be an urban legend. <laughs> That'd be a better story. Whatever, dude. <laughs> Remember when I ran into James Karen, uh, you two, when we were in Chicago? <laughs> I came out of the bathroom and he's just sitting there and he smiles at me and waves. I was like, he didn't move the bodies. <laughs> Hope I didn't dribble on my pants. Dude, it was so great because somebody had said he was doing his panel and uh, somebody said something to him. They were just like, remember when you were making poltergeist? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved the headstones. I didn't move the graves. Get over. <laughs> like, he, but I mean, he was joking about it, but it was just yeah. the way that James Karen delivered that. But if anybody sees that, please let us know. I mean, there's tons of documentaries on yeah. this. Do you have any tidbits on the crew stuff? See, I, I, spot, I'm trying to. But... I'm trying to. No, I'm trying to look up. I just remember it was watching one of those documentaries that they had two crew deaths on set. Really? Like people had died while while making the movie, and that was one of the things that fueled the curse. But you know, I can't find anything on it. But it's on one of those true Hollywood stories. It's on one of those documentaries. That's what I'm looking for. That's why I want to to find. I was hoping you had some information because you had done more than me in looking it up, Grizz. Like I said, I I don't. Uh, I remember reading about this a long time ago, but I forgot all the all the details. So I was just going on uh, what you guys had to say for this one. Uh, <laughs> you, you may just throw out a, yeah, yeah, a couple of last yeah. last thoughts for me, <laughs> yes. or are we wrapping up. No, here? go ahead. Last final thoughts. Uh, just one little story I liked was the with Joe Beth Williams. Am I remembering her name right? Is that it, Joe Beth Williams? Yeah. Yeah. Um, her not wanting to get in the swimming pool with right. the skeletons with all the electrical equipment. Right. And she wouldn't do the scene and Spielberg got in there with her. He was like, if it fries you, it's frying me like, and to ease her into that. And I thought that was really cool that yeah. he... they also didn't tell her that the skeletons were real. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> that, that was one of the neat things that I read. Why in, uh... were there real skeletons? Why cheaper. They, were, they were cheaper than buying fake skeletons. Oh my gosh. At least at that point in time. Like, did Tom Karen get him a deal (laughs) from You Need a Medical Supply? Yeah. Um, James Karen? I'll I'll just say Tom Tom Matthews. Tom Scarrett, James Karen. My last little random nugget that I liked learning from doing this and just glancing over some stuff that actually made me feel kind of nice inside. And that is when the DirecTV did the commercial 
on with Craig T. Nelson yeah. talking during the TV. I thought that was absolutely despicable that they were doing that. You know that you yeah. that they'll like she'd been dead for X number of years and you're cashing in on this. Like it just felt wrong. And I read that O'Rourke's family absolutely loved it. That it reminded everybody that their daughter had been in those movies and good. And I thought that was that was pretty cool. So it took a little bit of my shittiness towards the commercial and flipped it and made me look at it differently. I thought that was thought that was cool. It is cool. Well, if it helps anybody, I'm still pretty shitty at Craig T. Nelson, so doesn't matter. Fair enough. Just because you wanted the part of Dauber, you didn't get it. No, that's because his work in the skulls, but whatever. <laughs> he was great in the skulls, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Maybe, Are you really going to defend that? Maybe skulls too. You, you guys know. listen. Okay, guys, check it out. You, our next episode, the skulls. <laughs> the skulls franchise. Oh, <laughs> Not going to happen. That's when you know the Midwest monsters are at the end then, of their run. Maybe after that, too fast, too furious. <laughs> Ooh, there's a curse around that. Ooh. Well, that's all I've got to say about Poltergeist. I mean, Poltergeist. Yep. Uh, man, we should have done. We should have added Poltergeist into this. We should have. Yeah, probably should have. We probably should have. But we didn't. So um, that's all I've got. Is that all you fellas got? All right. Well, remember it with charm and love. That's right. Charm. Remember the charm of this. So, oh, let's do charm. I'm out. Uh, so, my friends, for another episode of the Midwest Monsters podcast, we tried not to kill it from the beginning. Uh, I am. We killed it. Grizzly Abner. And I'm here with. Mad Jan. Professor Wagstaff. We'll see you next time, friends. Stay scary. This show is clean.